what is up brandon welcome back to rough in the basket you know you know how we do it here and man hey we were talking before the show and you told me that you've had a pretty successful fantasy football season i have so i've i actually won a league last week which was great that was like the first league i've won in a long time so it was kind of a long time coming for me finally did that in our daily goat one i'm in the championship against peter alves of the Bosox Bombas and Pombo and Peter's picks. So I wish him luck. And in another league that I'm in, the CEO and founder of the Daily Go, Jason Pombo, I'm in the finals against him too. Um, so a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, competition within the Daily Go, but I'm very excited. I'm fortunate that I've been able to have a really good fantasy football season. Noah, you won our league last year. So, you know, you're still you know, should be happy with how you've been playing. And then there, I think you were telling me they're also in a finals for another week. So we're doing good on roughing the basket in terms of fantasy football. So you guys got to, you know, keep an eye out for us. Dude, I think that's like indicating that we know what we're talking about to at least a certain percentage, you know, like bit. I had, like we're going to talk about later on the show um, about, you know, certain aspects that of, of the year sports wise that we found like really intriguing things that we liked, things we didn't yeah. like some big moments, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, just looking at a year in review, you know, like you said, I did win the league last year, but you know, this year I unfortunately got defeated by Jason Pombo last week uh, in you know, one of the uh, leagues. And, uh, yeah, that was a little bit rough, but you know, I won it last year. So that's all right. And I'm in the finals in another league, fortunately, but there we go. Yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. But in that league, man, I was dude, super nervous because, uh, you know, going into that Monday night game, I had the Dolphins. I had the Dolphins starting at defense. Unfortunately, they ended up putting up a ton of points, man. They went off. Unfortunately, my my counterpart there that was facing my opponent, he had the Cowboys defense. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I was so nervous because I think I was up by I was like 17, 18 points. And all he had left was the Cowboys defense. And I had uh, CD Lamb. It was, it was something like that. And C.D. Lamb didn't really do that well. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, Cowboys defense kind of went off. And I was like, man, dude, sh- should defenses even be a part of fantasy football? Like, I feel like it's one of those things where it's Listen, just like. I've been pushing this narrative for as long as I can remember. I don't like defenses. I don't like kickers either. I'm sorry, but those two things should not be in a fantasy football league. And I've been saying that for a long time. I was happy that we got that done in the day we go week, but. We'll see. I, I just, I have this disdain towards defenses and kickers. Like if you guys ever played in the league with me, like I'm like, I'm the commissioner in my home league. And like, I'm like, we're not doing defense and kickers. I'm sorry, but we're getting an extra flex spot. hundred percent, man. Like that's how I feel for me. I remember one year I was in a, I was in a league where they had us pick like two defensive players or something like that. It, it was ridiculous. Worst league I've ever been a part of, but anyways, enough about fantasy football. We're going to get into the real deal. And, uh, you know, we talked about the Cowboys a little bit and the Dolphins going off. And it's just – it's incredible what the Cowboys did to this Washington football team, just what they did to them. I mean, they were up yeah. 41-7 to at halftime. Absolutely incredible. I don't think I've seen that kind of punishment inflicted on a football team in a very long time at halftime. So, with that being said, you know, they ended up winning the game 56-14, to 14, just absolutely dominated. You know, I think both of us here kind of have this opinion at this point that it's either going to be Green Bay or Tampa Bay. I mean, those are just the two teams that seem like they're just ahead of the pack altogether. Do you think that Cowboys have kind of inserted, inserted themselves into this conversation or do you think that they're still on the outside? 
listen, the Cowboys on paper, look, this team, in terms of their players, they have really everything. Um, what I feel like could hold them back is Mike McCarthy. I'm still not a big Mike McCarthy guy. I've never have been really. Um, so I wouldn't really count him out, you know, to, to mess up a game for them. But this Cowboys team, look, they've been kind of inconsistent on offense, but they finally got that train going. And Dak Prescott, 330 yards, four touchdowns, had a really good game. Um, you know, he was able to get the ball to Amari Cooper for a touchdown, Dalton Schultz for a touchdown, Terrence Steele, he got a touchdown, Ezekiel Elliott had a receiving touchdown. So they were just clicking on all cylinders on offense. Um, granted, the Washington football team isn't a great team. I mean, you know, they've had a kind of a up and down type of season, but the Dallas Cowboys, I think they should be in the conversation. You know, I've always said Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback and I really like him and he's been able to play good. They have the receivers, they have the running back core with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Defensively, they have a fantastic front seven. You have Demarcus Lawrence, you have Randy Gregory, who's had a a bounce back season from his seasons prior. You have runaway defensive rookie of the year in Makai Parsons, who's been an absolute freak of nature. The secondary, you know, Trayvon Diggs. Granted, he has been a guy that has given up a lot of yards, but he still has, what, now 12 interceptions, I think. I think it's 11 or 12 interceptions on the season. So he's a, he's a guy that can, you know, create turnovers. And the Cowboys have been able to do that. And they just have a really good team. Their defense is a lot better. And from top to bottom, I really like this team. Now, going up against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers or going up against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers is going to be a tall task. Like I said, I think what could hold them back is coaching, but they have the team, I think, to really beat anybody. And I'm very excited, you know, for this Cowboys team. Now, granted, a lot of people are going to say they're the Dallas Cowboys and they find ways to screw things up when everything looks, you know, seems great and swimmingly and awesome and all that, but... I don't know. I think this team, like from top to bottom, is really good. And I definitely think they, they're a Super Bowl contending team. I just worry about their coach. They're, they're approaching that category. Um, I still don't think that they could be Tom Brady. I don't think they could be Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately. Like their defense is incredible. It's improved so much compared to the year before. Number one in interceptions. They're seventh in terms of fewest points allowed. They are first in a total uh, points scored. They are first in yards per game. They are third in passing yards per game. I mean, basically everything they do, they do it really well. They convert third downs at a pretty high ratio. I mean, I think this is like an overall very well-built team. But again, I just feel like experience is so critical in the playoffs. And Tom Brady, I mean, there's no doubting his experience or this Tampa Bay team. Uh, Bruce Arians is a very, very great head coach. And overall, they have a lot of talent going into the playoffs and teams should be obviously extremely fearful of Tom Brady. I mean, has the track record to prove it. His uh, seven Super Bowls, right? I I lose seven Super Bowls and he's made it 10 times. So that's crazy, man. Yep. Yeah. So seven Super Bowls for him. And then, you know, you look at Aaron Rodgers and unfortunately in the playoffs, he's kind of not had the best track record, but. I mean, he's right up there, too. And this connection between him and Devontae Adams has just been, like, so special. Like, you know, I kind of want to say this for the end of the show, but that's one of the things I've been, like, really grateful for in, in 2021, even being a Lions fan, man. Like, I just love 
seeing them play. I mean, maybe it's because I had them on my fantasy. Yeah, team. that's what I was like. Know, that's definitely why. Every time they get a touchdown, it's double points. But, you know, so basically what I'm trying to say is they get a lot of touchdowns together. Over the last two seasons, they've had 28 touchdowns. I mean, that connection's unreal. And, and the key to beating this team is taking away that connection. And, again, I just don't know if that's going to happen because the Green Bay Packers also, I mean, they've, I don't want to say subpar in defense because they've been good enough to the point where like they've been able to win games still. But I mean, the points allowed is at 13th uh, in the league, which isn't great. Um, and their points scored is also 13th in the league, which I'm actually fairly surprised about because you would think they're putting up more, but I guess they do enough to win pretty much all their games. But uh, I just think in the playoffs, it comes down to experience and they do have the experience and the Cowboys unfortunately don't. Yeah, no doubt. Um, experience is crucial. And, you know, I think those teams, specifically Tampa Bay and um, Green Bay, are going to be, you know, obviously in contention. But again, I think this Dallas Cowboys team can beat anybody. And my worry is just Mike McCarthy. I've just never really have been a fan of him. And I just feel like that he's always somebody that, you know, is due to screw something up. Yeah, 100%, man. Moving on, you know, this week we had almost a record broken in the NFL. I mean, Joe Burrow went off. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was against a Baltimore uh, defensive unit that is absolutely destroyed by in- injuries. I mean, this entire team is destroyed by injuries right now. I mean, they have Josh Johnson playing quarterback this last week because, you know, Tyler Huntley and also Lamar Jackson were out. Um, but, you know, Joe Burrow went off. 525 yards, those numbers kind of speak for themselves on only 46 pass attempts. I mean, you have guys that can't even get 300 yards on that many pass attempts, and he's something that we haven't really seen in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know you had some words for this, so take it away, Brandon. This, Cincinnati, listen, I remember we talked about this. I feel like we talked about this back in, like, maybe October or something, and when the Bengals lost the Jets, you know, there were some question marks, like, whether this team was legit or not, but I think they've really shut people up. And I remember saying on this show, I'm still confident in them, you know, because I liked what I've seen from them this season. And look, this team is, listen, if they don't win anything this year, that's okay because this team's got a bright future. So they're the first team in NFL history to have a 4,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and two 1,000-yard receivers who are all 25 years old or younger in the same season. So that speaks volumes of how good this offense has been. And look, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, I think, I think it might not even take one. I think it could be next year that we could be saying that they're the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. And I don't even think that's a hot take because I've always liked T. Higgins. I liked him coming into the draft. And I thought he had a really good season last year. We had some injuries. He had 900 yards as a rookie. Really good. Jamar Chase, I've always said, was a generational type of wide receiver coming into the draft. I've always been high on him, and he's done nothing but impress as well his rookie season. And, look, they're the the first receivers on the same team to both have over 1,000 yards under the age of 23 ever. So two guys that have very bright futures in the NFL, and I really think it might not take one. It might be next year when we're saying that this is the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. And there's some great ones. I mean – there's A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. There's, um, you know, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. There's Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Um, there's Brandon Ayuk and D- Debo Samuel. Like, 
there's some good ones, but I really think that these two guys, I think there are two alpha receivers on the same team. As some of those wide receiver duos, the, you know, the, some of those guys get older, like Adam Thielen and whether or not Chris Godwin is still a member of the Buccaneers, like, you know, those guys are going to get older and Higgins and Chase's stock is only going up. And I really think those two guys have been so good. T Higgins had like 194 receiving yards last week and he had this crazy catch where he caught it over two defenders. And I was just like, this guy's a dog, like super underrated receiver. And they really just have a really good core. And I've just liked this team this season, you know, Joe Burrow, granted he wasn't my quarterback one headed into that 2020 class, but in terms of fifth-year quarterbacks in college, I feel like he's the outlier. Like, he has just been so good. And, you know, the guy had was breaking all sorts of records in college with that LSU team. And, and him having 525 passing yards, which we were talking about, Noah, granted, the Ravens are super depleted at corner. There's, there's guys that they have on their practice squad there. But the fact that Joe Burrow was still even able to do it, and he had an 80. 80% completion percentage too, while throwing for 525 yards and had no turnovers, like probably the best quarterback performance I've seen this year. Granted, you know, I, I really think, I really think it was. Um, so really like this Bengals team, you know, right now they have sole possession of the AFC North when it comes to the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to advance very far because they're very inexperienced. They're young, still have my question marks about Zach Taylor, but I think this team is on the upwards trajectory. They have a very good young core, and I'm just super excited to see how this team is in about a couple of years. Yeah, I think between him and Justin Herbert, I mean, and even Tua is starting to emerge now. Like that draft class, when you look back at it in like maybe five, 10 years, I think people are going to be saying it was super successful. You know, Joe Burrow is going to be an MVP caliber quarterback for a mm-hmm. long time to come. And same with Justin Herbert. I mean, Chargers have kind of been through a little bit of a struggle, you know, kind of been uh, getting destroyed by the Texans over the last week. But, you know, I feel like they're going to bounce back as well next uh, upcoming game. So we'll see what happens with that. But going back to your point, I definitely think it's valid that, you know, those two wide receivers you mentioned are going to be the one-two punch in the NFL within, I I mean, maybe even now, you know, I mean, you look around. It's a possibility, man. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, that's that's crazy. I'd never, I would have never even thought about that if you didn't bring that up. So I actually really, really appreciate you bringing that up. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show, you know, that this team is just headed in the right direction. And, you know, I've always been a big supporter of Joe Mixon too. I've always thought that he's a great NFL running back. And I think now he's really starting to have a great season. And I think that's just due to, him finally getting some help with his offense, you know, now he has a quarterback that, you know, is, is competent, is a good quarterback. He's got two receivers that can help him, you know, have less uh, players in the box. Like he's, he's starting to emerge. And, you know, a lot of people were questioning whether or not the Bengals should draft an offensive lineman should take a Panay Sewell, right. You know, now with the Detroit lions, but I was one of those people that said, they probably should have, but I also was like, if they draft Jamar Chase, they're getting a probably a, a potential Hall of Fame type of wide receiver. So, and look, I mean, it's it's definitely paid off, and this team is just super exciting, super just fun to watch, and even their defense has been really good too. They've been able to just get after the quarterback Trey Hendrickson. 
has been a guy that's had like a half a sack over the last like 10 games, something ridiculous. I saw it on um, the TV when I was watching the game, like just an incredible player and, you know, just a really good team. And just, they're just a super exciting team. And I'm very excited to see where they are in a couple of years. For sure. And uh, I kind of wanted to bring it back to the AFC East because a lot is going on there. Obviously you had mm-hmm. Buffalo be at New England this week and kind of redeeming themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. To go. yeah. Like, I'm not even a Patriots fan, but I really don't think, like, there's any reason to panic. I mean, I, I still think the Patriots are probably going to make the playoffs. They face Jacksonville this upcoming week. Like, Jacksonville, they're going to win that they're game. They're going to win that game. And then, you know, the week after, it's going to be interesting, man. So, I got to give credit again to BJ Peter Alves from uh, Peter and Pombo's Picks. I mean, he said for, like, uh, almost a few months now, when the Miami Dolphins were at the very bottom, when nobody believed in them, he said that they were going to win out and they were going to win out and, you know, potentially get a playoff spot. And they have won now seven straight games. They are on a tear. They're actually the first team in NFL history to have a seven game losing streak and a seven game winning streak in the same season, which is incredible. I mean, how can we not bring this up? You know, they destroyed the Saints, beating them uh, 20 to three this last week. And granted, the caliber of these teams that they've faced. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, it's not that good. I'm not going to lie. But I think the next two weeks are going to be – it's really going to show how legit this team is because they face Tennessee. uh, They're playing at Tennessee. And the following week, they play against New England. So that's really going to show what they got. But, I mean, do you think that this is just, like, the caliber of uh, teams that they're playing? Or do you think that they're legit or – I mean, okay, let's take a look at the teams they beat. They beat the Houston Texans. They're not very good. Um, Baltimore was probably their best win. That was a Thursday night game, and they only allowed 10 points to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Granted, he's been struggling. Granted, he's been struggling too. So there's that. you got the New York Jets. You only win by seven points against them. Twice. Twice they won by seven Twice. Points. Twice, yep, against the Jets twice, seven points. You destroy the Carolina Panthers, and they've been bad. Um, the New York Giants have been an absolute dumpster fire this season. And then you beat the Saints, who did beat the Buccaneers the week prior, but you versed Ian Book, who's like the fourth-string quarterback on this team. I'm not going to take anything completely away from them because they've been able to at least win these games. But this week against the Titans, that if they can win that game, then I'll start to pay attention, really. But if they lose and then they lose against New England, which honestly – they could beat New England just because it's in Miami. The Patriots always kind of struggle when they go to Miami. And I think, you know, they won last year too um, in uh, when the Patriots went to Miami. But I think the Patriots will still win that game. But look, I mean, it's an impressive streak that they've gone on, you know, to be able to turn the, you know, the page around and just completely flip the script and go seven straight losses and seven straight wins is impressive. But when you look at the Cowboy teams they've played, it's not great. But I will tip my cap to Jalen Waddle. I think he deserves some love, too, because he's been great. Um, he's actually, like, set to break Anquan Bolden's receptions record for a rookie. And I don't think anybody's really talking about that. Like, he's been a great weapon for them. Um, and Tua, you know, he's been – Tua usually – I feel like when I've seen from Tua, like, he has, like, a couple plays where – I just scratched my head. Like the interception he threw on Monday Night Football in the Saints game was kind of like, what are you doing? 
But then like he'll he'll get the ball out quick. You know, I think the Dolphins kind of catered the offense to his strengths, like getting the ball out quick, kind of completing these short intermediate passes. And I don't think Tua hasn't shown a lot of the deep ball, you know, this season, but he's getting the job done in these winning games. I think that's also very important that he's running the offense well. So, you know, he has a high completion percentage for a reason. He's getting the ball out quick, getting it to he, these guys like Jalen Waddle, getting to these guys like Mike Gusecki, Devontae Parker when he's been healthy. Um, so it's been impressive, but when you look at the caliber of teams they've played, like, I'm not really impressed by any, really, except for, you know, the Baltimore Ravens. That's that's probably it. But now you have the Titans who are coming off of a, a big win, you know, on Thursday Night Football against the 49ers, and you got the Patriots the week after that. It's going to be tough, but we'll, it'll be interesting to see. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm completely sold on them yet being in the playoffs. Yeah, that's I, I get that completely. I mean, especially when there's so much competition for that wild that wild card spot. I mean, you have uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, obviously. Las Vegas has kind of come out of nowhere again and still maintaining somewhat being relevant, you know, winning two straight. And you just have so many teams that are just fighting again right now. Indianapolis is another one. But, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting end of the year, and I'm really looking forward to everything coming to a close and just seeing what happens in the playoffs. It's, it's crazy. It seems like just yesterday it was like week four or something like that, and now we're just – two weeks away from the season being over. It's been crazy. It's been a, it's been a weird season, but even like the MVP race has just been so like inconsistent. Like I think now maybe even Aaron Rodgers might be leading the MVP charge. Like it switches every week. And I feel like we know who the MVP is after like usually like 10 weeks, 11 weeks of the season, but like that's been like a question mark. It's just been crazy. Like there's been a lot of like upsets this year. A lot of teams that have surprised, like the Bengals have surprised. Um, trying to think what other teams have surprised, you know, maybe like the, the Cardinals, like they've been, they've been struggling as of late, but they're a double digit win team. Like, I don't know if a lot of people expected that the Eagles, you know, they're a team that a lot of people didn't expect to win a lot of games. They're in the wild card race. So it's, they've, there's just been a lot of teams that have kind of, came out of nowhere and, you know, have really performed well. Yeah, I mean, one thing's certain for me, and it's that, you know, I understand the thought of giving Aaron Rodgers another MVP, and I, I do think, obviously, I mean, can't debate anything, like seven a great season, got to give him a lot of props on that. But with Tom Brady, it's like, I, I just don't see how you can justify giving it to Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady almost has a 1,000 more yards passing than Aaron Rodgers. He also has four more touchdown passes. And, you know, you really saw the turnaround of the Buccaneers when they had Jameis Winston and that 30, the 30 for 30 season. And, uh, and then, you know, Tom Brady went in there and just won a Super Bowl. Like it was nothing. And, you know, then again, this year he's doing the same thing. And, you know, but I, I understand that, you know, people definitely have a lot of value in Aaron Rodgers. And we saw the one week where he wasn't present and Jordan Love was starting and it was kind yeah. of a disaster. So, no, yeah, it's just been it's been a crazy, um, you know, season with the MVP award and, you know, Kyler Murray was pretty much the front runner to start the season. Then he struggled. Josh Allen was in that conversation, but Mark Jackson was in that conversation. Justin Herbert was in that conversation. Even Patrick Mahomes is like starting to now get into that conversation again. It's like Jonathan Taylor, like even Cooper cup to some extent, Matthew Stafford, like 
it's been a it's been a crazy season. So it'll be interesting to see who ends up winning the MVP. I think Tom Brady probably still win it, will win it, but people will point to like, hey, he got shut out by the Saints. Like, I don't know. I don't think that's gonna I, I that shouldn't affect his MVP chances, but you never know with the NFL. It's it's a it's really an overreaction league, and it's a every you know we go week by week by week. It's different than like MLB or NBA or NHL when they just have a game every day, and the narratives change in the NFL very quickly. Yeah, you have that point there. You know, Tom Brady did get shut out by the Saints, but the Saints people forget about this because you know Packers did a three sixty completely turn things around. But the Saints held them to three points at the start of the season. That's true. And Rogers two times. So that's true. We'll see what happens. But, hey, we mentioned a lot of guys. And, uh, you know, a lot of those guys happen to be on the Pro Bowl list. Yeah. And some of them do not. And it's interesting seeing this because, you know, there are some guys that caught our attention that definitely do not deserve to be on this. And one of those is Lamar Jackson. And no disrespect to him. I know that you are a huge Lamar Jackson defender and extremely talented athlete. No debating that. But this season has not been his best. He's been very inconsistent as of late, as of the last, you know, four or five games. I mean, we read out the statistics a few weeks ago. He had like a eight interception, something like that, in like a four or five game period. I mean, definitely struggling. And I don't think that is what you want to embody or represent a Pro Bowl spot as, you know, somebody that went on a streak where they had, you know, eight, eight interceptions in, in a four or five game period. And, uh, you know, I think we could name probably about three guys that deserve this more than him. And one of those is, as you mentioned prior to the show, is Josh Allen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And- you know, talking about it, like Lamar Jackson. And I've listen, like you talked about, I've been a Lamar Jackson guy. I've defended Lamar Jackson religiously for years. I've defended Lamar Jackson. Because I like him and I think that he's a good NFL quarterback. And I think a lot of people disrespect him, but you look at the season that he's having, it's not overly impressive. I mean, he's 23rd in the NFL in passing yards right now. You know, that's not good. He has 16, 16 touchdowns and 13 picks, which that puts him, what, are we talking like second worst, you know, second most in the NFL? Like, not great. Josh Allen has 4,000 passing yards, has, let me see, he has, 34 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Joe Burrow has 4,165 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. I mean, I, you could even make an argument that Derek Carr should be in the Pro Bowl over Joe Lamar Jackson. Like, listen, Lamar Jackson is, is a great NFL quarterback, and I'm going to defend him, but I can't defend him on this instance here. Like, I think they, the, they got it wrong with him being in the Pro Bowl when – Josh Allen's had a better season. Joe Burrow's had a better season. I mean, Derek Carr probably has had a better season than him. I mean, like, I just, you know, I just, I, I, I don't understand why they ended up putting Lamar Jackson in there. Um, granted, I think, you know, part of it was that it was a fan vote for some of it. I don't know how big of a percentage the fan vote and took into account, but Look, I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, with him being 23rd in the NFL in passing yards and him having a touchdown to interception ratio that isn't really that great compared to those other guys. I just I just can't put him in over, you know, Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or even like Derek Carr. Like, I I can't do that. 
Yeah, especially when Lamar Jackson, his big uh, big accolade is just how how well he rushes as a quarterback. And obviously that is true, but he only has two rushing touchdowns this season. Yeah. Josh Allen has four. Like, I don't understand how anybody could justify voting for him over Josh Allen. Is he maybe more exciting? And maybe that's why people voted for him. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of them that disappoint me. Uh, disappointed me big time. And another one that really disappointed me was, and we were talking about it prior to the show, and uh, you brought up, uh, oh, yeah, you know, the Pro Bowl came out, uh, the Pro Bowl list, and I was like, oh, they did. I didn't even know that. And I was like, you know, please tell me Austin Eckler's on there. And you're like, he's not. I was like, what? How is this possible, <laughs> man? How, how can you leave off this guy who has so many receptions this year? He has 62 receptions. He has uh, over 500 yards receiving. He has another 789 on the ground. I mean, he has 17 total touchdowns. And I don't think you can justify putting Nick Chubb over him in, in any category. I mean, he, uh, referring to Austin Eckler, he has more all-purpose yards than Nick Chubb. And additionally, he has more touchdowns. And he also has about 40 more receptions than Nick Chubb. I mean... I just don't understand how this is possible and how you could possibly put him in over Austin Eckler. Like, no offense to Nick Chubb, man. Like, great running back, but I think Austin Eckler's just been killing it this year. Yeah, Austin Eckler has way more total yards from scrimmage, has more touchdowns. Nick Chubb has missed time. And you could say that Nick Chubb has honestly been more efficient than Joe Mixon, who made the Pro Bowl. But, I mean, Austin Eckler should be in there, man. I think Jonathan Taylor was a complete walk. Like, I think there's no doubt about it. He's probably going to be a first-team All-Pro. But it's just – when you leave out a guy like that, it just it kind of didn't make a lot of sense to me. When he has – you know, he has more yards from scrimmage. He's – you know, the rushing yards may not be there, but he's doing it through the air. He has more total yards, you know, more scrimmage yards. He's more touchdowns. A guy like that, you know, I think should be getting in the Pro Bowl over Nick Chubb, who has missed some time. And I understand Nick Chubb's a very integral part to that Browns team because – God, I mean, we're not, I don't think we're going to get into the game that Baker Mayfield just played, but, it, you know, that's their offense is running the football. But I just don't understand why he got in over Austin Eckler, who's had a really good season. But I think I more so had a problem with the NFC side of it, too. Like, James Conner got in, which, okay, for his touchdowns, I understand kind of. But, like, James Conner, like, his rushing yards aren't that high. Like, his total yards from scrimmage aren't as high. Cordero Patterson, man. That's that, that that's a guy that should be in the Pro Bowl. And I understand, oh, is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? What is he? I think he's probably a running back. I think they've kind of used him more as a running back this season. How does a guy like that not get in the Pro Bowl, who honestly has been mostly the Falcons offense this season? Like he has double-digit touchdowns, you know, total. He has over a thousand yards from scrimmage, more than James Conner, more than Alvin Kamara who's also in the Pro Bowl, which that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think Leonard Fournette should be in the Pro Bowl over Alvin Kamara or James Conner. So I just – that running back list in the NFC really bothered me. Um, you know, especially Alvin Kamara has not had a good season, you know, up to his standards. James Conner is basically getting in just because of his touchdowns, which I feel like is ridiculous when you look at Cordell Patterson's whole body of work is just much better. And I think Leonard Fournette's whole body of work is just much better. I think there's definitely more of an argument to be made that James Conner deserved to be in the Pro Bowl than Alvin Kamara, just because of the amount of touchdowns he has. 
Granted, not the most efficient rusher, but when you look at Alvin Kamara, like he's averaging 3.7 yards a carry this season. He has 40 receptions. However, as I said before, and I understand, you know, AFC, NFC, obviously you can't pull Austin Eckler on the NFC team. However, Austin Eckler has 62 receptions, whereas Alvin Kamara only has 40, you know, yeah. and okay. somehow he's in the Pro Bowl rushing at a inefficient 3.7 yards a carry. I mean, just to put it in perspective, there's 20 guys in the NFL that have more rushing yards right now than Alvin Kamara. If you want to take out quarterbacks, and that's 18 guys that have more rushing yards than Alvin Kamara. It's like, I don't know how anybody could justify that. I mean, Leonard Fournette is another name that could be in there easily. I mean, I don't know. There's definitely several more guys that you could have put into that. I mean, just to put it in perspective, dude, Sonny Michelle has come out of nowhere. He's been completely inefficient the majority of the season. And then the last four games – He's just put in the yards, put in the work. And, and this is this is how how much I do not think that Alvin Kamara deserves to be in the Pro Bowl. Right now, if you look at the statistics, Sonny Michelle has more rushing yards than Alvin Kamara, to put it in perspective. Is that true? That's true. Yes. I have to take a look at this. Oh, you're yes. absolutely correct. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So I don't uh, know, man. Fans need to start doing their homework and put people in the, the all-star game you know, the Pro Bowl to actually deserve it because that's ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Um, there was just a lot of problems. Um, I don't know how many people are going to like this take, but Keenan Allen got in, and I don't know if he should have gotten in over Deontay Johnson, who had better stats. Like, I understand people are going to be like, oh, Deontay Johnson drops the ball. Zero. I can give a rat's ass about, about drops. Like, I feel like drops is just kind of like a, a stat that, like, really doesn't like signify of like what a receiver is. I feel like that doesn't make a receiver awful. Granted their job is to catch the ball, but you know, I think everything else they do too is important. Like it's not like they're they're not catching the ball whatsoever. Like whatsoever. Like, you know, Deontay Johnson, if you look at the stats, I think he has more receptions and more yards and more touchdowns, I think. Um so you know he's been, you know, He's been impressive, and I feel like that he should have probably gotten in the Pro Bowl. Just to confirm it, Keenan Allen. All right, so Keenan Allen has more receptions, but Deontay Johnson has more yards and more touchdowns. So I think, and Deontay Johnson only has four less catches than Keenan Allen, and he didn't make the Pro Bowl. So that kind of didn't make sense to me. I think the NFC side they got it right. They had Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel, guys who are number one, number two, number three, number four in receiving yards in the NFL. So. That makes complete sense that those guys are there. Um, I don't know about you, Noah. Uh, I know some people didn't like uh, Kyle Pitts in the Pro Bowl. Um, I mean, he's been having a a fantastic season, but a lot of people are kind of skeptical because he only has one touchdown on the season. But when you have when you have a guy in the rookie season have almost a thousand yards at the tight end position and have like, I think he has like over sixty catches right now, like that guy should probably get into the Pro Bowl. I know some people were were making the argument that Dallas Goddard should get in, but, I mean, I think Kyle Pitts is just having a, a fantastic season. 64 receptions, 949 yards, and a touchdown, you know, is is really good. So there was there were definitely some, you know, some Pro Bowl snubs. But I think those running backs really – the Lamar Jackson getting in bothered me, and then the, some of the running backs that got in bothered me. Yeah, definitely. I think – Overall, we were pretty clear on who we think deserved to get in, who we think didn't. And, uh, you know, just to kind of end things off, like we did kind of want to look back 
at 2021 and just look yeah. back at some good moments in sports. And, you know, obviously last podcast of the year, the first full year of roughing the basket, you know, we made it full year. So that's pretty great. So excited. Yeah. I guess I'll start with you, Brennan. You know, what, what moments of 2021 kind of like just made you feel like proud of you, like a sports fan? So I think one of my biggest ones, and maybe this is a little bit biased, but I think it's Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. Um, you know, like, I mean, it's like something that we say almost every year, it seems like, but this is the first Super Bowl that he's won that's not been on the Patriots, which as a Patriots fan, obviously it hurts that he's not here anymore, but, you know, seeing him succeed in, in another situation, kind of silencing the critics that have said, oh, it's because of, you know, his, his success is because of Bill Belichick and him being able to win a Super Bowl with having an offseason really that was a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of, you know, restrictions because of COVID, going to a whole new team, learning a whole new system, and being able to, you know, take this team, not to the, not, they didn't win, in the, win the division, but they were a wild card team. They were on the road. They beat the Washington football team on the road. They beat the Saints on the road. They beat the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field on the road. Finally get a home game, which was granted in their stadium for the Super Bowl. And being able to stifle Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and Tom Brady winning his seventh Super Bowl championship, first on a whole new team at the age of 43, um, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, just to, see, just to see him do what he did this season and just watching the game and just watching greatness unfold. I think, I mean, a lot of people, I know a lot of people don't like Tom Brady just because, you know, how long he's been good and, you know, how he's always kind of in the Super Bowl every single season. But at least you just got to at least appreciate the greatness when you see it, because a guy like that is probably never going to, you know, we're never going to see somebody like Tom Brady, I think, again. And, you know, now he's in his age 44 season and he's playing at an MVP level. He is just completely, you know, changing the laws of physics, changing all these different narratives. He's beating father father time as we're seeing it. And I think that moment to me was probably the biggest one of the year because I just was, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but like, damn, I mean, Tom Brady with a whole new situation, whole new team, whole new teammates was able to get that, you know, Super Bowl reign in his first year with Tampa Bay with having an off season that was COVID, you know, infused and just, it was just super impressive. So I think that was probably my biggest moment of the year. You know, I have a few, I, I wouldn't say I have like one specific moment, but I got to say just like the Suns and their playoff run was probably one of the craziest moments of the year for me. I mean, yes. the Suns have been bad for so long, you know, and just to see them finally have some, some success with Devin Booker, because Devin Booker, man, he's been there for five years at that time. And all his experiences, losses. I mean, a lot of those seasons were just kind of pathetic, you know, like 20, 20 wins, 60 losses, you know, it wasn't fun for him. Yeah. I imagine. And uh, Chris Paul getting to the finals. I really enjoyed seeing that. Um, I mean, unfortunately they didn't win it. They were up two zero and then obviously came back, but still, I think what, what, you know, the, the Suns did in the playoffs was definitely phenomenal for me. Yeah. And even like it's crazy because like I remember a few years back we were like the Suns need to free Devin Booker he needs to get out of this situation and the Suns have whiffed on a lot of draft picks but they've also hit on some guys and 
I think Chris Paul coming in really changed like their entire culture. You know, Chris Paul is kind of someone who I feel like is just super underrated in the NBA in terms of his impact. I mean, you just see it everywhere he goes. Like, you know, when he was with the Hornets, like he was an MVP candidate. When he went to the Clippers, they were making the playoffs and the Clippers historically have been one of the worst franchises in the NBA. Um, He goes to the Rockets and they have some success. Their team makes it to the Western conference finals. And, if he's not injured, that team could have made it to the finals um, in that playoff uh, series against the Warriors. Um, you look at the Thunder. Uh, he got traded there for Russell Westbrook, and that team makes the playoffs with zero expectations. And then he goes to the Phoenix Suns, and they make it to the finals. So, you know, I think Chris Paul is just a super underrated NBA player. But pertaining to that, too, I think Milwaukee winning the NBA finals was another moment for me because – I've always been a guy who has defended Giannis. I've, I've loved Giannis, you know, since he's gotten into the NBA and really developed his game. Like this guy, you know, we're now talking about being a hall of fame player and he's only in his mid twenties. Um, you know, he's accomplished so much already. He's won two MVP awards. He has the defensive player of the year under his belt. He's made multiple all-star games, multiple all defensive teams. He won most improved player of the year. And now he has, an NBA championship to his resume has a finals MVP. I remember that, that game where he scored 50 points, you know, to close out the signs, just absolutely like legendary type of stuff. Like th- those are the games that you, that you see from all time greats, the out final series is in. He averaged 35.2 points per game, 13.2 rebounds a game, five assists in a game in that finals run. So and Giannis was playing basically injured. You know, we were talking about here on rough in the basket about him playing with like a, hyperextended left left leg and he was just able to you know overcome you know being down 2-0 against the Suns in the finals too and then just winning four straight games like just something that was really you know really fascinating I think that was another big moment for me just seeing Giannis be able to do that and win something for the city of Milwaukee like a team that is a small market doesn't get a lot of players to come in free agency was drafted there along with Chris Middleton. Like those guys that have been there for a long time established that culture and finally won their first championship since 1971. I just think that's something that should definitely be mentioned in terms of the best sports moments of 2021. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just a small correction there. Unfortunately, Chris Middleton was not drafted there. He was traded oh, by the, the Pistons. Pistons. You're right. Unfortunately, yep. you know, but I, I remember that. That I'm a Pistons fan. But yep. hey, speaking of the Pistons, another great moment in uh, 2021 for me was winning the lottery. You know, yeah. finally a turn in luck. Uh, I mean, we probably are going to win it again this year because, you know, we're five and 26, five and 27 right now, whatever it is. But Hey, I mean, Cade Cunningham does look like a bright spot. Granted, he's had a bunch of tough games. He had a rough game to start off the his NBA career. A few of them actually uh, started off fairly bad, but he's gotten to a point where he seems like he's fairly consistent. I mean, I was looking at stats pretty recently, and it was like he had like a period of like eight straight games where, I mean, he was shooting basically 50% and averaging about like 20 points a game, you know? Yes. So the potential is there, and I still think, like I had doubts definitely. I think, you know, anybody really would have had doubts after seeing the guy that was drafted number one start off his career historically bad, worse than Anthony Bennett. I mean, that's saying something, but, you know, <laughs> he's been able to turn it around and and definitely show that he has potential. And now it's just about uh, building, building around him and uh, hashtag tank for Chet. Let's go. Tank for Chet Holmgren. Shout out yeah. Brandon Clay. That's his guy. 
Um, yeah, hey, I want him, bro. Honestly, I, I like uh, – man, I haven't really read up on too many of these guys. I like uh, – I think his name is pa- Paola Blanchard. Yeah, like for, uh, for uh, Duke, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. seen some of his highlights. I'm like, man, he's impressive too. But it's just something about Chet Holmgren. I'm like, you know, this guy, he could be like the next like Kevin Durant. But like, you know. I don't know about Kevin Durant. Play. But I don't know if you like can dribble the basketball like Kevin Durant. That's fair. Remember. That's fair. But I think he could definitely be really powerful on, on offense. And, you know, he definitely has to put on a little bit of a, a little bit of weight. He looks very skinny. He's a lanky boy. But, uh, yeah. But, I mean, hey, that guy gets gets a lot of shot blocks and he kills it on defense, both ends of the ball. So, yeah. No, he's a great player. But, yeah, no, that's a great. I mean, winning the lottery, I think, in general, is just something that's really exciting. And I think Cade's going to be a great player in this league. So, I think you hit on somebody there. And I think it's just exciting because, I mean, Detroit. You know, you guys haven't had that much buzz since really you guys won the finals back in 2003 or four, one of those two years. Um, so, you know, having like the number one overall pick and getting Kate Cunningham and having some guys last year who made all rookie teams like it's an exciting young core that I think, you know, you could just kind of build around those guys. And it's exciting, I think. So that's definitely, a, you know, a big moment. Um Trying to think of some other moments. I think Steph Curry breaking the three-point record is another moment that's kind of recent. Like, that's just a record that, you know, he was meant to break. And him just changing the game as a whole with a three-point shot and just him being such a great face, one of the great faces in the NBA is just – he's so – he's one of my favorite players in the league. He always has been. He's just someone that, you know, I've kind of grew up watching. And he's just someone that's been so great to watch and just him – kind of transforming the game and, you know, making it just uh, the three-point shot so important and just the difficulty, you know, he was able to make some of those threes and how quick he broke Ray Allen's record. That's like another moment that stands out to me. Um, Trying to think of like individual sports moments. Trey Young, like in the the playoffs against the Knicks, silence in the crowd. I feel like that was cold-blooded. Like I felt like that was kind of like, you know, him getting like the boos from the Knicks fans and getting like that evil, like bad guy side to him. And, you know, you saw the Hawks make it to the Eastern Conference finals. That was kind of an exciting moment for that franchise. Um, how about even like in college basketball with Jalen Suggs? Like, remember that game? Um, I think it was against like UCLA or whatever. He like blocked the shot and then shot like the mid, the half court shot to win the game. Like just one of those like March Madness moments that was just like crazy to see that. Um, I remember watching the game live and I was just like, holy crap, he knocked that shot down. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that was just a really exciting game. Um, trying to think of I mean, hey, we're talking college sports. I mean, I got to bring up Michigan, you know, I mean, just yeah. being all Detroit, everything like Michigan has been, you know, the team that I support for a very long time. And do you think they win the, for a very long time? Do so, you think they win the uh, college football playoff or no? I don't want to jinx it, man. I'm not gonna comment <laughs> on it. But hey, I will say, man, you know, Jim Harbaugh has been he's been different this year. You know, I mean, I doubted him. I really didn't think they should have given him a contract extension. I mean, especially after you know they finished two and four last year in the COVID shortened season. But I mean, hey, he's proved it, he's proved he deserves it. And uh, you know, something about this team is just different. So we'll see. I know it's not a college football show, but that's definitely one of the moments I had to throw in there. Yeah, and I think another one too, like in terms of college sports as a whole, how about NIL? Like that was something that was a big thing, you know, having these players and stuff get like profited off their image and likeness. Like that was a huge thing that happened this year 
in terms of like college athletics, like a huge thing, I think, you know, that should be worth mentioning too. Like, you know, it just made a lot of things, you know, come to fruition with these players just making money off of their, you know, their jerseys and like, you know, them being able to do brand deals and endorsement deals, like, you know, that just kind of really transformed things. Um, so that was kind of another big moment for me was that um, just kind of seeing that come into play. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think that's pretty much all the moments I got. I mean, just seeing Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adam connect again, like I said, you know, just because of my fantasy reasons has been uh, pretty fun to watch as well, but it's been, it's definitely been a great year in sports and I'm looking to see, uh, looking forward to see what happens in 2022. I'm excited too. I mean, it's been, it's been great doing the show with you. Like I know I came in kind of like midway through, but like the moments that we've had together here on Rough in the Basket, you know, it's been great. And we have a lot of stuff planned for 2022. You guys going to make sure you guys listen in, you know, we'll still be here, you know, kicking off the new year, talking about probably the NFL, you know, as the regular season ends, you know, more of the NBA stuff that's going on and just very excited for this next year. And, you know, we're not only just celebrating one year, the daily goat as a whole is celebrating one year. So it's a very exciting time for us with everybody in the daily goat. So just going to make sure you guys kind of stay in and just see what, what we all have planned for 2022. I think it's going to be a big year for the daily goat. Yeah. hundred percent, man. You know, if our, if our fantasy teams indicate anything, it's that we're going to have success in the future. Absolutely. So. Yes, sir. Any last words, Brandon? Uh, the only thing I got to say is, you know, thank you guys for listening to us for a whole year um, on Rough in the Basket. And, you know, we got, again, like I keep saying, we have some big things planned for 2022. The Daily Goat has some big things planned for 2022. But thank you guys for listening to this episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Rough the Basket. You can follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. You can follow me on Twitter at BCAR underscore 13. And you can follow Noah on Instagram at nburnt 37 Noah, do you have anything to end, to end off with? Uh, Lions have gone for it on fourth down 36 times this year. The NFL record is 39 times. I say we just go for it on fourth down. Hey, why not, they- man? Doesn't matter if we're down like fourth and 30, man. Might as well just go for it and see what happens. Break the record. Hey, Dan Campbell has – Dan Campbell just does what he wants. And thank you guys for listening to Rough in the Basket this week. And we will see you guys next time. And Happy New Year.